Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. This is a big story. The uh, headline over at Slate.com, more than 230 medical journals. Climate crisis is greatest threat to global public health. You think that it's COVID? Uh, well, COVID's a problem. But the, according from this new report, this, uh, this joint editorial that was written by the editors of 200, more than 230 medical journals. They say, and I quote, the greatest threat to global public health is the continued failure of world leaders to keep the global temperature rise below 1.2 degrees Celsius and to restore nature. Uh, they, they talk about the well-established links between uh, global warming and health problems. Quote from the study or from the editorial, Higher temperatures have brought increased dehydration and renal function loss, the kidney function loss, dermatological malignancies, and there was skin cancer, tropical infections, adverse mental health outcomes, pregnancy complications, allergies, and cardiovascular and pulmonary uh, morbidity and mortality. There was heart attacks and lung, lung disease. Uh, notes the editorial, if global temperatures rise above 1.5 degrees Celsius, and, and I, frankly, I think that that's inevitable given that the world is not responding the way it needs to. And we really need to get Michael Mann on to talk about this again. Um, they say that along with the accompanying loss of biodiversity, there's a risk of catastrophic harm to, him, to health, human health, that will be impossible to reverse. So, number one. Number two, this uh, remarkable article over at commondreams.org. The headline, New Climate Study, Arctic Heat Fueled Deadly February Texas Freeze. You will recall when Louise and I were living in Washington, D.C., maybe six, seven years ago, uh, we lived on a boat down at the Capitol Yacht Club in the harbor there, the, the, the same place where Joe Manchin has his, has his, uh, his yacht, uh, his really big yacht. We had a little boat. Um, but in any case, we were living on this boat, and we got frozen in. The, 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 the river, the Potomac River, literally froze. And, uh, in fact, I've got a picture of Louise stand, you know, shivering in front, in front of the boat. And it was like, everybody was like, what is this? What's going on? It doesn't get this cold in Washington, D.C. normally for this long. I mean, it was just brutally cold. And it turned out it was what they called a bomb cyclone, which is really just a way of saying that the jet stream had, it was collapsing. The jet stream is this river of cold air that runs around the Arctic that moves weather around the northern hemisphere. And because the Arctic is melting, and back then, I, I, in fact, I had the woman on this program who proposed this theory. She was not a climate scientist. She was another kind of scientist. And so she wasn't taken all that seriously. But she proposed this theory that when the Arctic melts, and goes from being white and reflecting light to blue and absorbing light and heat, that when the Arctic melts, it will warm much faster than the temperate zones. And by warming much faster, that differential of temperature, the very cold Arctic versus the normal temperatures we have here at mid-latitudes, that temperature differential will decrease. And as a result of that, the strength of the jet stream will decrease. 
And as a result of that, the jet stream won't swirl around like a giant river of cold air around the Arctic Circle, but instead will just start drooling down over North America and drooling down over Europe and drooling down over Asia. And while it does that, it will get stuck because it no longer has the force to move itself. And when it gets stuck, you're going to have weather that might have been a one-day weather thing or a half-a-day weather event that's going to turn into a week-long weather event, and you're going to have extremes of cold and hot. And this is exactly what happened in Texas last, you know, earlier last year, last winter. I guess it was in the spring, actually, I think, when uh, Texas got you know, snow in Fort Worth and it shut down their power grid. This is the exact same thing that happened here in Portland when it became 116 degrees for three days in a row. We've got trees that are dying all over this place, all over the city here, uh, you know, all over the state. This was published in a peer-reviewed journal, in the peer-reviewed journal Science, and it was the first actual peer-reviewed study to say that that scientist who we had done this program six years ago, and Michael Mann and I have talked about this a dozen times since then, where he says, yeah, you know, I can't say for sure because, you know, we haven't done the science, it's not peer-reviewed, but it makes sense. Well, now they've done the peer-reviewed study. Melting Arctic sea ice caused by global heating is responsible for the deadly deep freeze that devastated much of North America and plunged millions of Texans into darkness in February. They uh, say, uh, and, and this, is, this is where it gets very bizarre, Greg Abbott and the Republicans in Texas are continuing this lie. They're, you know, they, they said that the reason this happened was solar and wind power. We've got too many, too many solar panels and too many windmills, and therefore there's not enough electricity in Texas. When in fact it was you know, gas lines that literally froze because they have some moisture in them and they literally froze and, and natural gas was not getting to the power plants. So Jennifer Francis, an actual climate scientist at the Woodwell Climate Research Center in Falmouth, Mass, told the Associated Press, quote, the Texas cold blast of February 2021 is a poster child for the Arctic link theory. So there you go. It's bad and getting worse, and it's because we're burning fossil fuels. And we're not talking about this as the climate emergency it is. And instead, you've got this guy who's making a half a million dollars a year off of the coal company he started, Joe Manchin, that he gave to his son. He actually started several energy companies, all based on fossil fuels, Joe Manchin. And he's making like a half a million dollars a year off these things. And he's going, oh, Green New Deal, well, you know, Green America, we're going to rebuild our broken infrastructure in ways that use solar panels? Are you kidding? No, we're not going to do that. Really? Really, Joe? I mean, Joe's boat was frozen in, too. It's just, it's just amazing. It's, it's tragic, and it's amazing. I work my butt off writing these books. This new one is titled The Hidden History of American Healthcare: Why Sickness Bankrupts You and Makes Others Insanely Rich. And it's, for me, the most extraordinary part of this book, the most extraordinary story that I learned when I was writing this book. I mean, we, we all know the horrors of our healthcare system. We're the only developed country in the world where a half a million people a year go bankrupt because somebody got sick that we're the only developed country in the world where healthcare is a privilege rather than a right, that we're the only developed country in the world that has tens of millions of citizens who have literally no health insurance coverage and over 100 million who have, you know, insufficient. We are so singular in all this. So we all know all this. What we don't know is how we got here. And that, when I was doing the deep dive research, I mentioned it just kind of in passing a few times over the last year on this program while I was writing the book. But now that the book is out, I'll, I'll just give you the deep dive on this thing. Um, is, well, actually, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to hold the deep, dive, the, the deep, deep dive for tomorrow. But the bottom line is that um, the, the main reason why America does not have a national health care system up until the 1970s and 80s from literally the 1880s, 1884, when Germany got theirs, the 1890s, when people started talking about it here, 1912, when Teddy Roosevelt wanted to do it, 
1947 when Truman tried to, 1934 when Franklin Roosevelt, 1961 when John Kennedy tried. The main thing that blocked all of them was racism. You say, well, what does that have to do with healthcare? Today is the publication day for the hidden history of American healthcare. The, what is this, the sixth, I think, in the series of uh, hidden history series of uh, hidden history books and why sickness bankrupts you and makes others insanely rich. So today for my uh, rant over at HartmanReport.com, I put up a uh, chapter excerpt from my book, Hidden History of American Healthcare, Why Sickness Bankrupts You and Makes Others Insanely Rich. And it's titled, Time to End the Medicare Advantage Scam. Last week, over 100 Democratic lawmakers signed a piece of legislation or introduced a piece of legislation, co-sponsored a piece of legislation that would uh, drop the Medicare eligibility age from 65 to 60. And this, is just, this just makes common sense, uh, particularly in a time where we have, we have apparently permanently lost at least 5 million jobs uh, as a result of COVID and all the disruptions. Perhaps some, some are suggesting as many as 8 to 10 million jobs. Um, and what's happening is increasingly those jobs, the jobs that are still around are being filled by young people rather than older people. People over 60 are finding it harder and harder and harder to find a, find a gig in the workplace. And so, hey, let's drop Medicare eligibility age to 60. And I would add, let's drop Social Security to 60, but that's a whole other argument. But that's just one, you know, small problem that needs fixing, which is that, you know, Medicare is at 65. Um, the biggest problem, in my opinion, is Medicare Advantage, which is not Medicare. And this is the thing that most people don't realize, is that Medicare Advantage is a massive trillion dollar ripoff of the federal government, a ripoff of taxpayers, and frankly, a ripoff of many of the people who sign up for these so-called Advantage plans. And it's also one of the most effective ways that insurance companies can kill Medicare for all. Since about a third of all the people on Medicare who think they're on Medicare are actually on Medicare Advantage plans. Nearly from its beginning, Medicare allowed private companies to offer uh, insurance to people over 65. But they, it was a very, very tiny marginal part of the marketplace. But in 2003, with the uh, Medicare Modernization Act of 2003, George W. Bush and his buddies pushed through this thing, allowing private companies to call their private policies Medicare Advantage and giving them reimbursement, not just for all their expenses, but for all their expenses based on on this, uh, you know, this uh, label, this, this uh, uh, tag, as it were, they, they're, they're called the risk score. And so what they do, when you, when in many cases, if you sign up for Medicare Advantage, they'll send a nurse out to your house. And, and you think, oh, wow, I'm getting personalized service. Well, what the nurse is actually doing is uh, looking for things that can increase your risk score, which means that the Medicare Advantage company gets more money from the federal government, even though they don't provide you with services. For example, heart failure, right? Heart failure sounds like, oh my God, my heart failed. But in fact, it can be just a little tiny abnormality on your EKG that you just watch for the next 10 or 15 years because it means you might be at a little higher risk, but that's it. Or it might be that, you know, a week from now you're dead. But it, in either case, if they can identify that, then they make more money. They don't have to provide you with any more services, but they make more money. The same thing with depression. Are you, have you ever been depressed? Well, yeah, I was kind of sad when my husband died. Well, uh, did it last more than two weeks? Because here's the key. If it lasts less than two weeks, Medicare doesn't, you know, the, the score, as it were, the risk score doesn't go up. If it lasts more than two weeks, like one day more than two weeks, suddenly Medicare gives these insurance companies piles of money. They don't have to share it with you. They don't have to do anything for you. And on top of that, they are just like robbing us blind. I mean, this is, this is uh, the Center for Public Integrity back in 2014 did this study. And here are the, some of the things they found um, that risk scores, in other words, this, this way of trying to make it seem like people are more expensive, but they're not. Risk scores for Advantage patients rose sharply in a thousand counties nationwide, boosting taxpayer costs by 36 billion over the costs. In other words, profit. In more than 200 of those counties, the cost of Medicare Advantage plans went as 25% higher than providing standard Medicare. And it goes on from there. It is, and, and by the way, if you're on a Medicare Advantage plan, 
You can say, well, everything's wonderful. I had a guy tweet to me this morning. I've been on one for 10 years, had no problems. And I'm like, I'll bet you've never been seriously sick. Because when you get seriously sick, A, you're going to find it really hard to get reimbursed and you're going to get hit with things. Or B, even if you're not, you're going to discover that in the future, it's going to be really difficult dealing with these companies. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Because they want you when you're 65 to 75 and you're relatively healthy, but you get over 75 and start getting expensive. It's called lemon dropping in the industry. They get rid of you. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Just head over to netsuite.com Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com Hartman. That's netsuite.com Hartman. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Susan in Sarasota Springs, New York. Hey, Susan, what's on your mind today? You know, going back to the Medicare Advantage scam that you were talking about earlier, I've been on Medicare Advantage for a few years. And they call me maybe every three months or so and they want a nurse to come in. Now, I did allow a nurse to come in several years ago, but they keep calling me. They want this nurse to come in. And I'm being on Medicare, I look at cost, you know. Mm-hmm. And I say, well, if there's not any reason for me to see a nurse, I get my physical, I know my doctor well, I get my blood work, I'm healthy, I'm active. And so, you know, of course, I always deny that. I had no idea it was a scam. I'm the kind of person. When you go and I get a script from my doctor at the pharmacy, I'll say, how much does this cost? And they'll say, oh, the copay is like $3. And I'll say, no, no, how much does it cost the Medicare program? Mm-hmm. You know, and they'll come back and they'll say, oh, well, it's $800. I'm like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. And I'll call my doctor and I'll say, find me something as efficacious that's a lot more Right, cheaper. give me the generic. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, and I know the doctors are pushed by these, you know, pharmaceutical reps to push a certain product that's new or whatever, advanced. But I'm really, I'm I'm really hit home with me on the scam because, you know, I always thought, geez, why do I have to have a nurse here? They are looking for any little thing that doesn't actually require treatment, that, that the Medicare Advantage plan will not have to pay for you to do anything or to provide you any services, but that will increase the uh, what's called your score um and the the more people that they can have with a high because they don't medicare doesn't reimburse medicare advantage on a per person basis they don't they don't reimburse the your your insurer for you they do it based on raw numbers so the insurer will go to medicare and say we have 10 million members 5 million of them score at 1.3, 6 million of them score at 1.9, you know, whatever. I don't, I'm just making numbers up here, right? But that's how it works. And then they get reimbursed based on those numbers. So if they can increase the risk score numbers without actually increasing their costs, then they make huge amounts, I mean, literally billions of dollars in extra profits. And they have found that one of the most profitable ways to do that is to send out these nurses looking for things and people love it they think i'm getting extra health care when in fact what it is is a way of screwing the the medicare system this you know medicare advantage is draining medicare faster than anything else and this is how one of the ways that these companies do it now tom would it be better for me to get off of the medicare advantage I can't offer you that kind of advice, Susan, but I can tell you that if my, you know, I'm on Medicare, I've been on Medicare for five years, uh, I would never, ever, ever go with Medicare Advantage. It's 
private health insurance. It's not Medicare. It doesn't have the protections of Medicare. I would never advise another person to do it. If it was uh, you know, a friend or a parent, I would say don't do that. I would offer them that advice. The okay. thing is, it's, it can be a challenge. Here, here's, here's the other big problem. Again, not speaking to you, Susan, but to anybody who's listening. As I mentioned this, but it was only one sentence in the article that I mentioned. When you first sign up for Medicare at 65, you can also sign up, because Medicare only covers 80% of costs, so there's this 20% gap that the Southern Democrats insisted Lyndon Johnson put in there so that black people wouldn't use Medicare, poor black people wouldn't use Medicare. This is when, they were, when we still had segregated hospitals and segregated doctor's offices. So there's that 20% gap, so you've got to buy an insurance policy to fix that. They're called Medigap policies, and I always recommend that people use a company that has the word mutual in their name, because typically those, are, those companies are like credit unions. They're owned by their, by their customers, and they do a better job generally. But in any case, when you turn 65, let's say you have some pre-existing conditions. You have diabetes, or you have, you know, fill in the blank, right? Well, they, I'm 64, but I've been on Medicare because I'm on disability. Okay, all right. Then this doesn't quite apply to you. So again, you know, generally speaking to everybody else, not just to not just to you, Susan. When you turn 65 and you sign up for Medicare and a Medigap plan to fill in that 20%, the insurance companies are required to take you, not charge you extra, regardless of your pre-existing conditions. However, if you sign up for a Medicare Advantage program when you turn 65, and a year later you say, hey, wait a minute, I'm tired of this, I want to go back to regular Medicare, you can go back to regular Medicare during that period from October to December, the, the qualification period, you know. But yeah. if you go back to the insurance companies and say, and by the way, I'd like to buy a plan to fill in the 20%, they'll say, you have a pre-existing condition, we're not going to sell you a plan. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's like they have they've they've got you. It is such a scam, and you know George W. Bush pushed this through in 2003 because it, this has been his lifelong mission. In 1978, George W. Bush ran for Congress. This was when his daddy was working for the CIA, I think, or maybe when he was in Congress. George W. Bush wanted to be a member of Congress from Texas, and his platform was privatizing Social Security and Medicare. He lost the election. It was not a popular thing. But that then in 2005, when he got reelected, he said, he famously said, I mean, you may remember the quote, he said, I've got a lot of political capital from winning this election and from those, this war in Iraq, and I'm going to use it. And what he did is he went on a, what was originally going to be a 23 city tour. He stopped it after like 12 or 13 cities, promoting the idea that we should turn Social Security over to the banks in, in, on Wall Street and we should turn Medicare over to the big insurance companies, turn everything into Medicare Advantage. It got less popular the more he talked about it, and so by 2006 he quit talking about it. But, you know, this was, the, the, the whole Medicare Advantage program was put together as a way of, number one, giving lots of profits to big donors to politicians, the health insurance companies, and number two, to destroy Medicare, and that's what's going on. Susan, I've got to move yeah. along, but thank you very much. Thank I'm, you, uh, you know, I appreciate the call. Jim in Fenton, Michigan. Hey, Jim, what's on your mind? Hi, Tom. You got me? I do. What's up, Jim? Okay. Um, I'm a state of Michigan retiree. Mm -hmm. I retired. I got, I got my Medicare, and then um, I was forced off Medicare by the, by the, by the state. Um, we all this... You, how does the, that work? We could, um, well, they they spin it as you have you had a choice. You could uh, you could stay on your state of Michigan um, plan uh, and stay on Medicare, but you would lose spouse coverage, dental, vision, prescription, and all those things that I worked for all those years as a state employee. If I didn't go to Medi Medicare Advantage. Um, they would, they would, and just my spousal coverage would be, you know, it's good insurance. So it, it, just that would be two thousand dollars a month. So, so just to clarify, Jim, just so I understand, while you were a state employee, you were getting a health insurance policy that covered you and your spouse from a private for-profit health insurance company, which is normal. When you yeah, turn sixty-five the state or that company said you no longer qualify for this 
policy you've been on, because now you're 65, but we're the company you've been doing business with, so now you've got to pick up one of our Medicare Advantage programs, and if you don't, you're going to lose some of the benefits of this program that were negotiated by your state employees union back in the day, which includes the coverage for your spouse. Do I have that right? Pretty much, except it was the state forcing the issue, huh. and I was already on Medicare, and the state, after you retire, the state supplies what you would call the Medigap or the supplemental insurance. Right. As, after you retire, you get all right. the, the prescription, the dental, the whole bit. Right. And so my options were... And uh, my option was you can keep you you can keep your state uh, retirement plan, but uh, you're going to lose all this other stuff yeah. if you don't if you don't jump to Medicare Advantage. And and one of my beefs here, and I hope you don't get me wrong because I'm I'm not a right wing troll, but one of my beefs here is this was done by a Democratic administration, Governor Whitmer, and um, this was Democrats in charge of of Michigan and the state. And Governor Whitmer has close ties to Blue Cross Blue Shield, and I think it was a kick. I think it was a kickback to Blue Cross Blue Shield. It may well be. So this now, is, you know, Republicans are not alone in taking money from big corporations and dancing to their tunes. I mean, the, the Supreme Court legalized this with Citizens United and a few previous decisions, and uh, you know, it's this is not unique to Republicans, um, and so and, and 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 it's particularly safe, as it were, for for Democrats to do this, you know, to support Medicare Advantage, because most people don't have a clue what we're talking about here, you know, they just don't know. Yeah. So uh, yeah. you know, because of that, it's a whole lot easier to 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 just you know essentially stick it to people. Jim, thanks for the story. I didn't you know I didn't know that the states were getting in on this act as well. It's amazing. get into this question of death panels. <laughs> I mean, we can call it that. I mean, you know, why aren't these selfish anti-vaxxers, the people who say, you know, I'm going to do my own research on the internet and find out about this stuff, and I know better than the doctors do, or the FDA, or the uh, CDC, and uh, ouchie fauci and all that, and so I'm going to, you know, and then they end up in the hospital. Why aren't they the ones whose health care is being rationed? It's actually, I mean, it's starting in Idaho, right? Uh, Brad Little is the uh, Republican governor of Idaho, and he had activated members of the National Guard because I mean, we've got this happening. Uh, one of my kids, uh, uh, we saw them over the weekend for our daughter's uh, birthday party, and uh, the, there's National Guard in, our ho in the hospital where she works. I mean, it's, it's like the National Guard is here to help out. And part of it is that, you know, there have been several thousand doctors and nurses who have died in the last year and a half of COVID, number one. Number two, you've got people just experiencing extreme burnout and some of them leaving the profession. And then number three, we have a, a, a healthcare system that was designed in large part since the 1980s to maximize profit and efficiency and it just was not prepared for a pandemic. And so as a consequence of this, we now have, the, Idaho has now uh, officially gone to what they call crisis standards of care. What that means is that hospitals are in, in the triage process, in the initial evaluation process of bringing people into a hospital, they're asking the question, okay, we've got eight beds, we've got 12 people. Which of these 12, which eight of these 12 people are most likely to survive? They get the beds. The other four people, you guys, you can sit in the waiting room. Maybe we can find you a cot in the basement. You can go home, but you're not going to get the echo machine. You're not going to get the, 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 the intubation. You're not going to get the, you know, you have, because we don't have it. Hawaii is, is very concerned that they may have to move to the same thing, you know, fairly quickly. Uh, the... Uh, director of one of these hospitals in Idaho, his name is Dave Jepson. He said, crisis standards of care is a last resort. It means we have exhausted our resources to the point that our healthcare systems are unable to provide the treatment that 
we care and expect. Now, why is this happening in Idaho? You know, well, it could have something to do with the fact that in Idaho, only 40% of people are hospitalized. And it's, by the way, you know, up to this moment, you know, in the, in the four minutes here I've been talking, I've been putting this in the context of COVID. But really, there's a much larger context here. Hospitals aren't normally empty. Right. I, I mean, you know, certainly typically there's a certain number of available beds and things like that. But, you know, we still have car accidents. We still have people getting diagnosed with cancer. We still have people breaking their bones. We still have people who get pneumonia from things other than covid. We still have diseases that require hospitalization. Betsy Phillips was one of those people. She has a surgery scheduled on Friday. She's got something going on in her chest that is progressively getting worse and worse. They don't detail it in the article. My, my guess, you know, from reading the articles, it's some sort of a benign tumor because it's constricting her ability to breathe. It's cutting off her ability to breathe. Um, and she was going to have surgery on Friday to take care of this. And they called up and said, I'm sorry, we can't do your surgery. And she's like, why can't, you know, I mean, you know, in a, in a few months, I might not be able to breathe at all. I mean, you know, why can't you do my surgery? Because our hospital is filled with COVID people who are unvaccinated. And by the way, let's be very, very clear. Well over 90% of all the people in the hospital who are, who have COVID are unvaccinated. And in some cases it's well over 95%. And the people who are getting COVID and are in the hospital and are dying tend to be people who are well over 70 years old, have pre-existing conditions, and in many cases, because of their age, because of their pre-existing conditions, you know, their, their bodies just didn't take the, the vaccine and create the kind of immunity that a younger, healthier person would, uh, or, or even an older, healthier person would do. So bottom line, you know, for, for those of us who are reasonably healthy and got our vaccines, we're not the ones showing up in the hospitals. We're not the ones who are dying. There's this very small subset of people who are vaccinated, who are very old or very sick, who are in the hospitals or dying of COVID. But the vast majority of them, well over 90%, in most states, well over 95%. I've seen in one hospital, it was 99%. In another hospital, it was 100%. We, I did that report for you yesterday on this program. 100% of the people who were in the hospital and 100% of the people who had died in that hospital, I forget what state it was now, um, uh, it was down south, were unvaccinated. So we've got these selfish SOBs out there uh, or deluded or sad or, uh, you know, sadly deluded. I mean, I, I have very mixed feelings about this, right? The, 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 the people who, you know, they go on the Internet to get their medical advice and they decide not to get vaccinated and to take, you know, horse deworming paste to keep themselves safe. Like they don't believe in science and they know better than doctors, but then as soon as they can't breathe and their lips start turning blue and their blood oxygen is going below 80% and they're in a crisis, what do they want? Take me to a hospital. Suddenly they believe? Anyhow, this Betsy Phillips, this was published in the Nashville scene. She was told, sorry, your, your surgery is not gonna happen. She says, until Friday, I can't remember the last time I cried so hard. She was told, you'll be among the last surgeries to be canceled because of COVID due to the, how dire your situation is. She said, I did everything asked of me for the past 18 months. I did my part to get COVID over with as quickly as possible. All, in other words, she got vaccinated and she stayed away and she wore masks and things. And all these people who did not do their part are clogging up the hospital. They are selfish ass blanks. She said, F them, I'm so pissed. If you're too sick to do it, but unvaccinated COVID patients should have to be the ones to call people like me. This, this is an interesting thought. She said, the problem is, of course, most of these people in the hospital who are unvaccinated are too sick to make a phone call. But if they're not too sick to make a phone call, instead of the nurse calling her and saying, I'm sorry, we can't schedule your surgery because we've got a bunch of unvaccinated fools here in the hospital, um, 
she said it should have been the COVID, the unvaccinated COVID patients should be the ones to call people like me and tell us that we can't have the surgery we were counting on because of them. And my God, can you imagine the trauma of having to call multiple people and hearing them all in despair? She watched a video of uh, the governor. This is, this is happening in, uh, in Nashville, Tennessee. Bill Lee is the Republican governor. And there's this video that's kind of gone viral. It's all over Twitter and whatnot of Bill Lee being chased down the hall, essentially, by the press uh, who are asking him, uh, why will you not allow schools to at least mandate masks for kids? And he's literally running away from the press. And she says, I, I was feeling utter contempt for him. She goes on to say, uh, the unvaccinated in this state have told me, not literally, but you know, this is the message they're sending. The unvaccinated in this state have told me that they will harm others to get their way. I have evidence based on my own experience that this is true. I have been harmed now by people refusing to get vaccinated. I will be very wary of them for the rest of my days. Patient, the, the, the article is by Bob Brigham over at rawstory.com. Patient livid after hospital canceled surgery due to COVID surge. I cried so hard I had a headache. This is happening all over the country. And remember the Republicans who were all hysteria and the Tea Partiers, all those white people out there in the Tea Parties, uh, you know, because the black president was proposing national health care. Death panels. Oh, my God. Sarah Palin. Oh, my God. Death panels. And now hospitals are actually doing this. This is the Tom Hartman program. These hospitals are having to decide who's going to get health care and who's not. Thanks to these these Republican lies about COVID and about horse paste. Diane in Hazelcrest, Illinois. Hey, Diane, what's on your mind today? I recently was able to sign up for Medicare. Mm-hmm. And I received a letter from Advocate Healthcare, which is a provider, a major provider in Chicagoland area, listing uh, a lot of the Medigap policies that are will be available uh, to me uh, when I decide to choose one. Mm-hmm. On this letter, it mentions Blue Cross Medicare Advantage, it mentions uh, Aetna, it mentions United Healthcare Medicare Advantage. My question to you is, are these the Medicare Advantage policies that you've been warning people about as scams? And, and yes. you know, I mean, I have been telling my friends this and, and been trying to point this out because I've been watching you for God knows how long, and thank you for writing your book. And... I've been telling them you need to try to get out of these because these are scams. Um, but they're just, you know, not listening to me. And I just wanted to make sure that these were the type of Medicare Advantage plans that you've been warning people about. Anything that has the word advantage in it is one mm-hmm. of these scams, uh, period. Okay. Now, what, what Donald Trump did was, well, actually, it was Seema Verma, who is his director of Medicare Services, um, uh, but, you know, this was the Trump administration. What they did, it used to be that if you contacted Medicare or Social Security or went to their website and you wanted to know about Medicare and they would tell you about Medicare and they would tell you about the Medigap plans and how Medicare works and have all these details. And then, you know, kind of down at the bottom, there would be also there's also this private alternative called Medicare Advantage. And here's information about that. And it was all straightforward. and It was all fairly honest. They completely changed that during the Trump administration so that now the information coming from the federal government and on the federal websites, and I believe that this has not yet changed under the Biden administration, openly and nakedly promotes a Medicare advantage over Medicare with Medigap. And, and it may be that a number of states have done that. I, I can't speak to you know, the piece of paper that you're looking at you know, in Illinois. Um, but uh, if it has the word Medicare Advantage, they are trying to they are not trying to sell you a Medigap plan. They are trying to get you off Medicare and onto privatized Medicare Advantage. Good luck, Diane. John in Detroit. Hey, John, what's on your mind? I'm in complete agreement with you about the insurance companies on the Medicare Advantage things basically running a scam. And I think it's really well documented in accounting things done by Congress and the GAO. There's not any debate that it's happening. And, and, and the second point is that the underlying problem is 
the mechanism that makes it so that they can ask for more money is basically a problem in, in a form of corporate welfare. Oh, yeah. And that the companies sign a contract, and if they were a normal insurance company not being funded by the United States of America's taxpayers, they would have to buy reinsurance for their excess risk. Mm-hmm. And now, uh, with the the way it's set up now, is they don't buy reinsurance. They save all the money that they would spend on those premiums, and that just goes to profit, even if they weren't falsifying the data of how sick their people were. Yeah, that's fascinating. I, you know, I know that liability companies, like companies that provide flood insurance and, and you know, home insurance and things like that, um, fire insurance, they all buy uh, what's backstopped by reinsurance companies, and there are these, Swiss Re is the largest in the world. There are these companies that only sell insurance to insurance companies. Is that something that they're going to be calling on as a result of COVID? Is, do you know anything about that, uh, John, or is this... Uh, no, what I'm saying is they haven't had to. Well, I they mean, haven't had to up, up until recently, but they, they've got to be. I mean, you know, we've, we've had, what, over 30 million people diagnosed with COVID in the United States? There's got to be a lot of expenses to the insurance companies. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, remarkable. Once on so. Medicare, you and I are the re- reinsurance company. Yeah. There you go. Uh, through the through the government, yeah, with our taxes. John, thank yeah. you for that. Thank you very much. Ed in Chicago. Hey, Ed, what's up? Yeah, Tom, I'm wondering, um, say, pretend that you're me and I'm calling my representative about Medicare Advantage. Right. Like, I'd like to get rid of the commercials on TV. Right. How, how can I put it as, as succinctly as possible when I'm speaking to my representatives? And I'll, I'll hang up and listen. I have learned, Ed, uh, Representative Ed, my congressman, uh, I have learned, Ed, that Medicare Advantage is actually private insurance. It's not real Medicare. And that it is draining the Medicare trust fund. And that it's ripping people off, including the government. And I'm disgusted by that. And I would like you to do what you can to end Medicare Advantage and instead strengthen regular Medicare. And by the way, if we're going to strengthen regular Medicare, let's get rid of that 20% gap. But I'm not even sure I'd add that part because typically the interns who take your calls can write down one thing or put one check on a little database about who you, you know, why you called, what you called about. And then your member of Congress will see, oh, yeah, we had 35 calls about, uh, you know, uh, getting rid of Medicare Advantage. And we had 22 calls about uh, expanding, you know, doing away with a 20% gap or whatever it may be. So I would keep it to one point and just say, you know, I've learned that Medicare Advantage is a scam for the insurance companies. It's hurting Medicare. And you need to do something about it. You need to clean this up. And they're ripping off the government. They're ripping us all off. That's what I would say. And thank you. Thank you for the call. Thanks for putting it that way. That was, that was brilliant. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Edu slash podcast. Jesus in McAllen, Texas. Hey, Jesus, what's up? Hey, greetings, uh, Tom. Um, yeah, I'm just calling uh, in regards to uh, climate change, uh, which you addressed uh, mm-hmm. five minutes ago. So here in McAllen, Texas, typically, Tom, uh, we have uh, about over 40 days per summer where the temperature is over 100 degrees. This summer, uh, so the last report, we had 
three days over 100 degrees. Okay. So it's getting uh, colder in McCallum? And cooler. Cooler. Yes. Interesting. We're yeah. getting, here uh, in Portland, it, we're getting California weather. We haven't had rain in like, you know, 60 days or something like that. I mean, it's it's just some mind by We're in a major drought here. And, I, and the right. trees are starting to die and things. I think that we're going to see our, you know, 10, 20 years from now, I think that Portland is going to look like Central California or the yeah. you know, Central Oregon is. But so Texas sometimes, is going the other direction. Yeah, so sometimes uh, as I watch the news, I'm, I feel like I'm watching an episode of uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah. We're, you know, we're at war with each other and we're not recognizing uh, the major threat uh, uh, for, our, for the world. Yeah. Which is climate change. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, yeah, I, I watch the news and I see what the people of Louisiana are going through. And uh, living here close to the Gulf Coast, I'm wondering, when is it, when is it going to be us here in the Rio Grande Valley? Uh, because at some point, we are going to get hit by Category 3 or Category 4, category four or God, God forbid, Category 5. Yeah. Uh, climate change is coming for us all. It is. It's it, here. It's not just coming. It's here. We're living yeah, with it right now. And it's costing us a fortune. And we're still subsidizing the fossil fuel industry to the tune of hundreds of billions of dollars a year. Uh, and, and, right. and we still have politicians who are pushing that. And it, it's uh, like Joe Manchin. And it is beyond crazy. I mean, it's just right. beyond crazy. Well, well, one final question, Sam. Where is the best place to place a pre-order for your book? Uh, any place you buy books, you can you can buy the and, and you don't need to pre-order it anymore. It's out today. So any bookstore, a lot of bookstores have an online presence. Oh, I use Powell's here in town. You know Powell's.com, which is a great local bookstore here in Portland. Uh, of course, it's on Amazon and you know other places like that. So the hidden history of American healthcare. Hey, Sus, thank you very much for that. Thank you. Yeah, have a great one. Gus in Chicago. Hey, Gus, what's on your mind today? How you doing, Tom? Been a while. Yeah, I uh, respond to when you were talking about the lady in uh, Tennessee couldn't get her surgery. Mm. Thank God nothing that serious with me, but long story short, I get every month and a half an IV treatment, and I had to see my general practitioner. Because of corona, I had to keep, they had to keep rescheduling me and delaying me. Right, and now and it's that even my insurance was screwing with me. Right, and now it's the unvaccinated who are making life miserable for the rest of us. And that, by the way, in my opinion, is part of the plan: crash the economy um, and blame it on the Democrats and on Joe Biden. I'm, you know, I seen yeah. I'm seeing the headlines on the right wing news news sites literally every day. Uh, you know, Biden mm -hmm. is failing. Biden can't stop COVID. Biden this, Biden that. No, I'm sorry. COVID, you know, the, the blue states and the blue cities are doing just fine. Thank you very much uh, with regard to COVID. Mm -hmm. The problem we've got right. here in Portland is not people in Portland who are getting sick and ending up in the Portland hospitals. It's people from the red counties that voted for 80 percent for Donald Trump. Mm -hmm whose You're little tiny hospitals right. only have three beds. Yeah, and they're showing up at our hospital and, and in our hospital here where two of my kids work, I can tell you from personal oh, experience, wow. and, and, uh, and the hospitals are being overwhelmed by people who are, who are you know, not from the blue areas, they're from the red areas. It's, it, this, is not, this is not a, 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 a national problem. And, and it makes me crazy when, when you get this reporting that says that, America is divided over COVID and all this kind of nonsense because, you know, 70% of America is, is vaccinated and wants to be vaccinated and, and well over 60% of America even thinks we should have vaccine passports. And, and what we've got is this tiny minority, 15, 20% of people who are, you know, who are believing the lies that are coming out of Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani and, and, and Newt Gingrich and their, and their little merry band of crazies. And, you know, and they're taking horse paste and they're refusing to get vaccinated and they're filling up our hospitals and screwing with our health care system, thinking that somehow that's going to help the Republicans in 2022 or 2024. I think it's a bad bet. Killing off your own people is generally a bad bet. But time will tell. Joe Biden, President Biden this morning gave a speech calling for a significant portion. Let me let me get over to the New York Times website because it was right up there in the headline for almost half. I thought it was 45 percent. They say almost half of the nation's electricity 
to come from the sun by 2050. This should be a no-brainer. You know, Germany did this 30 years ago with their with 100,000 rooftops program. I was I gave a speech in Barcelona, Spain, with uh, I, I I think they're called members of parliament. There's a, a name for a German name for guys, uh, men and women who are members of the German parliament. But he was a parliamentarian who was the co-host, the co-introducer of this. He's now passed away. And uh, uh, but the two of us spoke at this conference in Barcelona. Maybe I don't know, 10, 10 years ago, fifteen years ago, and he he just explained it. It was very simple. The the way that they did it, and that was that the German government decided that they didn't want to build any more nuclear power plants, and they didn't want to burn any more coal. And there was lots and lots of sun falling on Germany, even though Germany is the cloudiest country in Europe. And I lived there for a year. And I can tell you, it's like Louise and I, our, our, our mantra every day was, you know, under the grauen tag, another gray day, right? It's like, it's gray all the time. But solar cells work fine when the, when the sun isn't shining. If you've got clouds, that's okay. The, the you know, the, the kind of light that fires up the solar cells seems to make it through. And so the way they worked it out was they said, we're going to, we're, if, if, we're, we're going to the banks, first of all, if you own your house, and it was like roughly 80% of Germans own their houses. So if you own your house, and the rest, it was landlords, and so if, if you're a landlord, this works too. So, you know, pretty much covered everybody. If you own your house, the bank will loan you at a very low interest rate. My recollection is that it was 1%, but it's been a while, so I, I, maybe it was 2%, but whatever, it was very, very low. The bank will loan you enough money to put solar panels and big batteries and stuff to, to, to solarize your house. Keep in mind, this was in the 80s, um, maybe the 90s. The bank, the bank will loan you that money on a 10-year loan, and what we know is that, let's say that the, the, the repayment on that loan would be $100 a month. And right now you're spending, let me, let me figure out an easier way to explain this. They figured out how much people were paying for electricity. Everybody knew what they were paying for electricity. So say you're paying 10 cents a kilowatt hour for electricity. So what they said was, for the next 10 years after you solarize your house, while you're paying back that mortgage, the utility, the electric company, has to pay you seven times the normal cost of electricity. So if you're normally spending $100 a month for electricity and now you're generating all your electricity and you're feeding some of it back to the grid and you're feeding back to the grid what used to be $100 worth of electricity, you're gonna get $700 a month for that. Now why did they pick that? Because that allowed people to basically pay for solarizing their houses, pay off those mortgages, which were backstopped by the federal government, by the way, that's why the interest rates were so low, pay off that mortgage for the, for the solarization in 10 years at no cost to you. The cost is entirely borne by the utilities. Now, why did the utilities go along with this? Because the cost of building brand new nuclear power plants was not seven times the cost of normal electricity. It was like 12 or 13 times the, the cost of normal electricity. So the utilities were basically paying for the construction of a nationwide rooftop solar system. And if you've ever been to Germany in the last decade or so, you take that, particularly you take that train, I, 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 every time I go, I take this train from Frankfurt all the way over to Kulmbach. You know, oh, it's a four hour ride. Uh, east, uh, east to west across the country, or west to east rather, across the country. And you're looking out, if you're on the north side, looking up the windows, and you're, uh, or on the south side, and you're, you're, yeah, on the north side, and you're looking at the south-facing roofs, it's like almost every rooftop is solarized. And so what happened was at the end of that 10 years, everybody basically got free solar. The utilities got a generating capacity that was originally estimated to be the equivalent of one or two new nuclear power plants. It turned out it was eight or ten. 
They got more electricity. They got so much extra electricity, they had to upgrade their power grid to deal with it. And everybody won. The utilities got cheaper electricity. There was no nuclear waste or coal waste. It was paid for in 10 years when the lifetime of these solar panels is 40 or 50 years. Every, literally everybody won. This is not rocket science. So Joe Biden this morning is proposing, let's make half of our electricity by 2050 from the sun. I think if we simply follow the German plan, we could make half of our electricity you know, from the sun in 10 years, just like the Germans did. I mean, it's not like this, like we have to invent something new. The problem that he's going to have is Joe Manchin is making a half a million bucks a year selling coal. He started a coal company and his son now runs it and he's still making money off the stock he owns and the royalties and whatever. And, you know, Joe Manchin's making big, but he's made millions and millions of dollars off selling fossil fuels. And so he's out there saying, what, three and a half trillion dollars to help solarize America and green you? No, no, no way. I'm not going to go along with that. And of course, every Republican is in the back pocket of number one, they don't want Biden to have any successful initiatives because then Americans might vote for Democrats. And number two, they're all taking money from, from the big power companies that, and the fossil fuel industry. And you've got you know, fossil fuel billionaires who, are, who have you know, funded this entire network of think tanks and stuff like this all across the United States. So what's going to happen? I, I don't have an easy answer for this, but I'm telling you, I think it's time for Joe Biden, President Biden, to take Mr. Manchin and Ms. Cinema to the woodshed. They're, the president is not without carrots and is not without sticks. This has to do with our right to vote. This has to do with our right to health care. This has to do with our right to not be destroyed by storms that are costing us a frigging fortune. One of the reasons housing prices is, are going up so much right now is because it costs so much to remodel your home. Why is that? Because Texas, thousands, probably hundreds of thousands, certainly tens of thousands of homes in Texas were damaged in February when they had that deep freeze. Now you've got houses from Louisiana all the way up to New Jersey wiped out by, by Hurricane Ida. They all have to be replaced. We're buying an awful lot of our, of our housing, uh, you know, rebuilding housing stuff from China. Uh, my brother-in-law was telling me uh, yesterday, the uh, day before yesterday, how in Shanghai they're having an outbreak and, and the port is basically shut down. There's a couple of hundred ships. He used to be a sea captain on one of these giant thousand foot long ships, you know, out of Singapore. He knows the industry. And, and he was like, uh, you know, there's this huge bottleneck and that's why everybody's talking about the supply chain. They had this outbreak of COVID there and it's kind of shut down part of Singapore. But if you're trying to rebuild your house from a disaster, you need to buy the electrical outlets. They're made in China. You need to buy the light switches. They're made in China. The sheetrock is made in China. I, you know, all this stuff. Which, you know, opens a whole other conversation that we'll have another time about neoliberal trade policy. But, but nonetheless, here we have this opportunity to do something about global warming and reboot America and get us off fossil fuels that are not only poisoning our climate, they're poisoning us. 10,000, the best estimate is that 10,000 people, Americans die every year from cancers caused by car exhaust, coal-fired and oil-fired power plants. And that doesn't include the cost of asthma and things like that. I mean, we will get healthier, we will save money, our healthcare system will be improved. But President Biden and, and uh, Majority Leader Schumer in the United States Senate and Speaker of the House Pelosi need to take this on. They need to take on Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema and the, and, the, and the little surrender caucus, the little surrender monkeys in the House of Representatives, these uh, eight or ten Democrats who are like, well, we're not sure we want to go along with this. I don't know about this. You know, I got people making big money donations to my country, to my campaigns. You know, like Kurt Schrader here in, in uh, Oregon. 
You know, ah, there's too much money you want to spend. Are you serious? Give me a break. Give me an effing break. It is time to say enough is enough. Blow up the filibuster and let's get some stuff done. It's the week after Labor Day. This is, this is when the political season for November of 2022, it's only, what, 12 months away, 14 months away? This is when that political season begins right now. And I think it is absolutely time to basically take names and kick ass. Over at uh, TPM, uh, Kay Riga is writing a Talking Points memo. Various reforms and tactical ideas haven't swayed mansion or cinema. Voting protections, gerrymandering clock has started. Stop gerrymandering and go to drawing districts that actually, you know, reflect geography and science and math and, and like that, very simply by, by outlawing gerrymandering. This is something that has to be done. And I am calling on the President of the United States, on President Biden. He has not up to this point been willing to throw all his weight behind calling out those people, behind ending the filibuster. And he has to do it. He has to do it. We've got to end the filibuster. This, this thing that John C. Calhoun started to preserve slavery, it needs to end. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 